How do you guys tell time? I mean, how most often do you figure out what time that it is? I know how I tell what time it is. I get out my little phone and I look on there and it tells me what time that it is. Or is it? You see, when I do that, I'm relying on somebody else to tell me what time that it is. I'm relying on the good people from Apple or Samsung, if you're some kind of weird person, to tell me what time that it is. Ultimately, all this stuff comes from a computer server. And, uh, you know, and I'm, an, I'm an IT guy in my, my secular tent-making job. And so all of our computers on our computer network, we point them at a certain IP address that is like a universal time clock that supplies the time to all the computers that we have worldwide, supplies the time to all the phones. But ultimately, we are relying on someone else to tell us what time that it is. We're relying on somebody else to tell us what time that it is. And I don't know where that computer is. I don't know anything about it. I just know the numbers that I put in to be able to get to it and so that I can supply the time that I need to push out to everybody that needs to know what time it is. But see, back in the day, they didn't rely on this stupid thing to tell what time it was. They told time by the sun. They told time by the sun. And so they built these things called sundials, and it was like this, this stone slab, and it's got a little spike on it. And so as the sun ascends through the sky and then descends on the other side, it would cast a shadow based on this spike that was on this stone tablet, and, and it would cast a shadow. And by that shadow that was cast, there was markings to tell what time of day that it was. And so they weren't telling time by some man. They were telling time by the sun. Can somebody say amen? Some of y'all are skipping ahead. I'll get to that part later. They started using sundials in about 1500 B.C. in Egypt. And uh, they always like decorated them and put like carvings of the local gods and things of that nature on them. But a long time later, you know, about 3,000 years later in 1600 A.D., in Europe, uh, they began to put mottos on sundials, and it became a thing. And, and so people would know about this sundial based on not the location or not the usefulness of it, but by the motto that was engraved on it. It was the, all these really cool sayings, and some were Bible verses, and a lot of them were in Latin. And uh, here's some of the cool mottos that they put on sundials throughout the years. Horus non numero nisi serenus. I count only the sunny hours. That makes sense, right? Because if it's cloudy, then it doesn't work anyway. Um, see, so deficit, respect it me no more. If the sun's gone, nobody looks at me. Tempus edicts rerum, time devours things. See, they started to get a little more serious. Tempus vincent omnia, time conquers everything. But the one that stuck with me the most was this one. There was a sundial in France that was constructed in about 1851 in a commune, and it just is engraved with this simple line. Um, Il est plus tard que voice ne croise. It is later than you think. And man, when I read that the other night, it just put me on my knees because way church is later than we think that it is. See, we have all these big plans for our life and we have all these big plans for our world and for our church and for our family. But it's later 
than we think it is. See, we don't have near as much time to do the things that we want to do as we think we do. We don't have the time to say all the things that we want to say. We don't have the time to be the person that we want to be. We don't have all this extra time. No, see, it's later than we think. We've got less time to do those things than we think we do. See, you're further along in your story right now than you think you are. We think we've got all this time left, but we don't. Man, it's later than we think. We're further along long in the story than we think all this stuff is coming to an end way before we think that it is man when we were when i was youth pastor at caveland and and angela was children's pastor my mom was teaching the little preschool kind of elementary class like kind of early kindergarten class and there was a little girl in there that would always help my mom she was like my mom's little helper and, and she was always helping her, and she would always pass out the papers, and she would lead the prayer, and she would just do everything, everything that mom needed her to do. And my mom would just celebrate this child and just be like, this kid is awesome. And we would agree with her. And I remember me and my wife were talking one day, and we were just like, this little girl is going to do amazing things for the kingdom of God. I mean, she's got potential in her life just to be such an incredible, incredible blessing and to do so many things for the kingdom of God. And about a year and a half later when I preached her funeral, I didn't get to talk about her potential anymore. I didn't get to talk about what she might do for the kingdom of God. I didn't get to talk about how great of a woman and a powerful woman of God that she was going to be because see, she never made it there. And so the potential didn't matter. But what I did get to say is that at her young five-year-old age, what she did do for the kingdom of God, the blessings that she did bring about for the Lord Jesus Christ, the way she did serve in the church, even though she was just a little kid, the things that she did do for God. And so I want you to think about today is not what you might do, and not what you could do, but what are you going to do with the little bit of time that you have left before the end comes? Because I promise you, it's later than you think it is. So if you've got something you need to say, say it. If you've got something you need to do, do it. If you've got somebody that you need to become, I'll say that again. If you've got somebody you need to become, then become that person because it's later than you think. Would you stand? Would you just give God praise in the house of the Lord this morning? Would you? Would you guys stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word today? I'm in the book of Romans in chapter 13. Not the part you think, but starting in verse 11. And the Bible says this. Besides this, see, besides all that other stuff. Besides this, since you know the time it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over and the day is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy. You hear what I just said? Not in quarreling. That's in the Bible. I didn't make that up. It's a sin to be quarrelsome and to cause a bunch of dissension and problems and argue with people all the time. It's a sin against God. It's not just something that I'm saying to do to be nice. I'm telling you that it's commanded in the book of Romans by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords not to be quarrelsome or jealous. 
But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. Will you pray with me this morning? My God, my King, my Savior, my everything. Will your Holy Spirit just prepare the way today? Would you open up this word of truth so that we can receive your grace, God? Would you empower us to say what we need to say, to do what we need to do, and more importantly, to be who we need to be not later but now in Jesus name amen and amen let's give him a shout of praise and you may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning oh you guys are late you guys are late you're late the alarm has been going off and going off and going off. And you know what we've been doing? Yeah, y'all was late too. I see you smiling up there. That's okay. All the rest of us are late too. We're late. We're late. The alarm's been going off for a long time. And you know what we as the body of Christ have done? The sleeping, slumbering, sleepy-eyed, hungover body of Christ has reached over and hit the snooze button about 50,000 times over and over and over. And God said alarm after alarm after alarm didn't none of us wake up. We just sit there and hit the snooze button. And then you know what we did in some of our sleepiness? We, we reached over and we hit the off button. Did you ever do that? You thought you was hitting the snooze button, but instead you straight up turned the alarm off. And now it's 9.15 and somebody's calling and because your alarm ain't going off anymore and you were supposed to be at work at 8 o'clock, but it's 9.15 and now the boss is calling. Well, let me tell you this. The boss is calling. The boss is calling. It's not the alarm anymore. The boss is calling and he means for us to get there because there's work that we've been called to do and the workers was few anyway and the harvest is plentiful and now the workers that actually answer the call are late because we ain't awake because we've been sleeping our life away and not paying attention to the things that were going on in the world and there's work to be done. There's kingdom work to be done. And y'all are late. Can you say amen? Y'all are late. Yeah, nobody's like, no, I'm not going to say Amen. Y'all are late. I was late too. I didn't hear the word of the Lord coming to me either. And yet, it keeps coming. And it keeps coming. And it keeps coming. Because there's work that's got to be done. Not later. Now. There's work that's got to be done now. There's people out there that are dependent on you to wake up and shake off the sleepy head and get out there and be about the Father's business in every way that He's called you to do. Somebody's out there dependent on you. Somebody is. Even more importantly, you know who's dependent on you? My Father in heaven. Our God that sits on the throne. He's dependent on you. He's dependent on you to wake up and be about the Father's business. Man, couldn't y'all pray for just an hour? That's what Jesus says to his disciples. And here you are, sleeping. I ask you to watch my back. I ask you to pray for me while I went to make the hardest decision that has ever been made on the face of the earth. And here you are, sleep, sleep. Can't you wake up and serve me? Can't you wake up and get behind me? Can't you wake up and do what I've called you to do? And that's the same message that's coming out to the church today. Because the church has been asleep for way, way too long. I don't know if we just thought this world was going to fix itself. I don't know if we just thought it was going to fix itself. Lord, if you would just please fix everything.
And that's what we've done. A whole big bunch of nothing. And that's not the way that God called us to move. And that's not the way that God has ever called us to work. God didn't call his 12 disciples and say, okay, I'm going to tell you all about how good God is and then I'm going to go out and do it all and you guys just wait for me here. No. He empowered them. He educated them. He inspired them. And then He sent them on mission. And that's the same thing that He's done. It's like Brent preached the other week, man. Like we are the disciples. We are the disciples. Nothing has changed since the original 12. We're called to the same calling that they're called to. And they weren't called to come into a building and sit around and pat each other on the back about how good we're doing praising God and not going out into the world and making things happen and seeing things change and watching the power of God come alive through us and in us and around us. Man, that's what we're called to do. To go and be the people of the living God. To go and serve Him. To go and shine our light in this dark world for Him. That's what we're called to do. But we're asleep. And we need to wake up, man. If you don't understand it, hear me right now. This is your wake-up call. This is your wake-up call. If you're waiting for a sign, then look around for about five seconds. And see what's going on in the world. And you tell me whether or not that this world needs the influence of God's people in every aspect of it. It's what we're called to do. It's who we're called to be. It's what we're called to say, man. To be the ones that reflect the glory of God out into the world around us, man. That's what we're called to do. I mean, look at the book of Isaiah in chapter 60. The Bible says this. Arise, your light has come. And the glory of God has risen upon you. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. And you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Man, the alarm's still going off and we're still laying there. But the time has come for us to get up and get moving and get busy about our Father's business. Man, don't let His coming catch you unaware. Man, don't let His coming, don't let the bridegroom show up and the bride still be asleep. Because how is the wedding feast going to take place if the bride is asleep? No, we should be awake and expecting the power of His love. We should be awake and serving Him and preparing the way for our God that is to come. Because sooner than later, He's going to split open that eastern sky and ride in to sit everything right. Can you say amen? You can't hear Him when you're sleeping. You can't speak for Him when you're sleeping. You can't serve Him when you're sleeping. You can't heal when you're sleeping. You can't deliver when you're sleeping. You can't worship when you're sleeping. Man, this time is for us to wake up and get up and go into the world to serve Him. The night's almost over. So it's time to put down the darkness. And pick up the light. We gotta put down the darkness. And we gotta pick up the light. There's too many things in our life that we're still holding on to that are from that old life that we used to live. And the time has come for us to put those things down. See, the time for living in the dark is over, man. The sun has risen. Somebody say amen. And the light is shining. And the Spirit is inside of us. And so it's time to let go of what was and walk in to what He wants to be what he wants to be 
Man, the miracle of your resurrection has already taken place. The power of his love has been breathed into you, and he brought you to life. In the book of John, in chapter 11, he did that for Lazarus. He spoke into Lazarus' life, and he said, Come, come out. Lazarus, come out. And a miracle like no other miracle took place. And a dead man that had been hurled up, you know, curled up in this cave for four days, so bad that he stinketh, man. That's what the King James says. And they were like, no, like, like this is impossible. Jesus, don't open it up, man. What you're saying is impossible. But, man, I serve a God that thrives on impossible. I serve a God that nothing is impossible for him. And so he said, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man, the man that was dead, and not just dead, but real dead, rotten dead, came walking out of the grave. And the power of God's love was on full display all across the earth. But it wasn't over yet. It wasn't over yet. Even though this crazy miracle of resurrection and power and love and glory had taken place, the dead man's still standing there. And then Jesus said, take the grave clothes. Take the grave clothes off of him. Because listen, even though he had been brought back from the dead, even though the breath of life had returned into his body and, and by the miracle of the Holy Spirit, he began to live again, he still smelled like death. He still smelled like death. He still looked like death. He still had the remnants of death from his old life hanging around on him. And when he went around, he would spread that death wherever he went. And there's too many of us that have experienced that miracle of resurrection in our own lives. And God has brought us to life in the Spirit. You've been covered by the blood. You've been brought alive by the Spirit of God. He breathed His breath of life into you and you're no longer dead, but you've been brought to life. You are alive in Christ, but you still smell like death. You're still walking around with the remnants of your old life hanging off of you, looking like tatters. And you're still taking them with you everywhere that you go. And maybe, you'll, maybe you're thinking that you'll take care of them later. But it's later than you think. See, you're further along in your story than you think you are. You ever be what I said this first hour, I just made it up, but here it is. You ever be walking through life and all of a sudden you catch a whiff of yourself and you're like, oh gosh, I stink. I stink. And you're thinking, okay. I need to do something about this. But I'll do it later. Because I can go home and take a shower. I can go home and spray myself down with Axe body spray and burn everybody's nostril hairs out. Uh, or maybe I'll wash myself in that fancy stuff in the black bottle with the bursting beads that's in my wife's shower. Come on. We get in trouble if we use that. We walk out of the house and she's like... And she gets all agitated, especially with Logan, because he uses it all the time. But here's the point I want to make. By the time you smell yourself, everybody else started smelling you a long time ago. By the time you realize that you stink, everybody else has been knowing that you stunk for a long time. And what works in the physical oftentimes translates to the spiritual 
And so when you finally realize that you still got some sin and some funk and some death hanging around in your life, you need to get rid of all the people around you have already known that for a very long time. And you might have thought you was hiding it under the Axe body spray, but they could smell. Now it just smells like, I don't know, teenage boy and funk all at the same time. You got like frat boy funk going on now all of a sudden, but they can still smell the underlying death that is underneath of it. And, and so maybe you're thinking, well, I'm just going to go home and, and when I get there, like I can like draw a bath and put some rose petals around and get some perfumes and then I'll smell really good, right? I'll smell really good. But see, you don't have time to run that bath water. You don't have time to wait for that moment that you'll get to sit there and soak for a long time. See, what we need to do in our lives right now is we need to turn the shower on of the Holy Spirit full blast as hot as it will go and jump under there and let the river of grace that comes from the living God wash all that death and all that sin and all that pieces of our old self off and make us clean by the power of God. Can you say amen? You need to step into the river and go deeper. And go deeper and go deeper until it's over your head. It's only by His grace. It's only by His living water that He can wash those remnants of your old life away. But don't wait. Don't wait. Don't be thinking that I'll start being that person tomorrow. You know, don't, don't treat it like a diet plan. You know, we're always going to start our diet on Monday, right? And, I'm going to start tomorrow. I'm going to start the keto thing tomorrow. I'm going to eat this bread right now. I'm going to eat all the rolls right now, right? Like, let's go out and let's eat all the rolls right now. But tomorrow, just protein, right? Tomorrow, just protein. I'm going to do better with my eating next week. It's going to be awesome. And Monday comes along and I'm good, man. I'm like, yep. I had like a just a piece of sausage for breakfast. I'm doing the keto and egg. I'm doing good. For lunch, I ate a salad and a whatever. And then by Wednesday, I'm pulling into the Dairy Queen and getting a cotton candy blizzard because those things are awesome. No, I left the gym and went to the Dairy Queen. Like, just so you know, I'm just being transparent up here with you. On Wednesday, when I had started my diet on Monday, so I'm not doing good in that aspect of my life. But here's the key, don't wait. Don't, don't wait. Do it now. Do it now. You're further along in your story than you think you are. You don't have enough time to wait. You don't have enough time to waste. You need to say the thing that God has told you to say. You need to do the thing that God has told you to do. You need to be the person that God has told you to be. And you need to do it now. Because I believe that you can do anything that you set your mind to. I really believe that. But set your mind to something and do it now. And get busy and stop waiting and stop wasting time because every minute has value. Every minute has value. Every minute has value. The last verse in this little piece of scripture that I read says this. Rather, close your, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. We need to clothe ourselves with Christ. We need to put everything else in our lives away because none of it means anything. 
We get so caught up in what's going on right here and right now and we act like it's the end of the world. But I want to tell you that none of those things are the end of the world. There will be an end of the world, but that's only comes through Christ Jesus. And there is blessing and there is redemption and there is just experiences that I can't even you know explain to you, but it all comes through Christ. Man, every focus in our life should be Jesus and we should allow Him to put everything else in our life in its place. Man, here's the kicker. Stop letting somebody else tell you what time it is. Stop letting somebody else tell you what time it is. You need to start figuring out what time it is from the sun, just like the sundial. Oh, wait, no, not like the sundial, because we don't want to get our time from the sun that hangs in the sky, but the sun that hangs on the cross. We don't want to get our time from the sun that sits in the west, but the sun that sits on the throne. We don't want to get our time from the sun that rises in the east, but from the sun that rose from the grave can you give god praise at the way church today don't wait it's later than you think you're further along in your story than you think you are and even worse than that somebody else somebody else is further along in their story than you think that they are If there's somebody that you need to go and tell about Jesus, do it now. I know I'm talking to somebody in here right now. I know that there's somebody that has some like a face popped up in your mind immediately. Don't wait. Do it now. Because you're further along in your story than you think, and so are they. If there's something you need to do for the Lord, if there's something you need to do for the kingdom of God, if there's forgiveness that you need to give, if there's amends you need to make, if there's something you need to give to somebody, if there's something, anything that you need to do for the kingdom of God, if there's something you need to do to serve another person, man, do it and do it now. Don't wait for the perfect time because the perfect time may never come. You know when the perfect time to do something for God is? Right now. Right now. There's no better time to serve God than now. There's no better time to love God and to love people and to do anything for the kingdom than right now. There's no better time. The time is short. Seize the moment. Seize the second. Man, serve the kingdom of God with everything that you've got right here, right now. Maybe you need to become who God's called you to be. Don't wait. Be that person right now. And some of you are like, but pastor, I've tried. Last time I fell on my face. Well, get up. Get up. And don't stop fighting to be who God's called you to be. Don't ever stop fighting to be who God's called you to be. Well, I I don't know that much about the Bible. Well, this is what it says. Love God and love people and all the law and all the prophets hang on just these two things. So do that and you're well on your way. Let it be said about me that I'm somebody that loves God and loves people. And that's all. Man, if, if, if at my funeral the much younger pastor over here can say, you know... He did a lot of things wrong, but he loved God and he loved people. I'm satisfied with that. I'm satisfied with that. I'm overjoyed with that. Because that's the greatest legacy that we can live out. 
You know, like Jim was singing from generation to generation and generation. Man, that's the blessing of God. That we can, we can love God and we can love people and then we can pass that down to the next generation. But don't wait. Start now. Start now. Because you may not have another opportunity. Who knows? Man, especially in the insane world that we live in right now. Man, who knows if we're even going to have another day? Who knows? So you, but, but you know what's your promise? You're not promised tomorrow. You're not even promised this afternoon. But you know what you are promised? Right now. You're promised right now. So use right now for the gift that it is. And use it for the glory of God right now. And then when the next right now comes, use that right now for the glory of God too. And then when the next right now comes, if it does, then use that right now for the glory of God too. And then you know what you can do when your end does come? You can look back with no regrets because every right now you had, you used it for the glory of God. Can you say amen? And that's what disciples do. That's what disciples do. But don't wait. Don't wait. I was at the gym one day. Working out, man, doing my thing. It was a Saturday morning and nobody else was there. I kind of like that because I'm just an antisocial person by nature. And I love y'all and the Lord and everything, but I'm in there doing my thing, man. I'm lifting. I'm getting crazy. I can yell and stuff, and nobody looks at me funny. It's great. And then I'm lifting weights, and all of a sudden this guy comes in, and I'm like, ah, ruining my flow. And, I mean, I've seen this guy around a couple of times before. I mean, many times. I mean, you know, I don't know if, if, if any of y'all go to the gym, but you see people at the gym, and you feel like you know them, but you don't know their name. It's like, I see this guy three times a week. I spend an hour with this guy three times a week. I have no clue what his name is, right? But, I mean, I know this guy. I've seen him a bunch of times. I'm like, what's up, buddy? And he's like, hey, bud. And we're just doing our thing. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm working out. I'm working out. I'm lifting weights. And then all of a sudden, like, I feel the Holy Spirit just speak to me in that small, still voice. And the Holy Spirit said, go tell him about me. No. So I just keep working out. You know, maybe it's something I ate. You know what I mean? That wasn't really God. That couldn't really be God. That was not God. That was not God. And so I'm lifting weights. I'm doing my thing. And then all of a sudden, the voice gets a little louder. And the Holy Spirit is like, I said, tell him about me. And I just feel that in my heart, man. I just feel God just telling me in my heart, man, go tell him about me. And so then I start making deals with God. You ever make deals with God? I'm like, okay, Lord, I've got an invite card in my, in my pocket or in my wallet or whatever. And like what I'll do is, is I'll get my invite card that says, hey, when our times and stuff are. And on the way out, after I'm done working out, I'll be like, hey, man, come to church sometime. And then I'll get out as fast as I can. So that was my plan. That was my plan. And so I put God away, get back to working out. I've got a plan now. I'm going to satisfy what God's called me to do. Everything's going to be cool. And then... Has anybody else ever, ever had God yell at them? I mean, has God ever yelled at you? Look, please just do what God says. You don't want to have the experience of God yelling at you like he yelled at me, okay? Because I'm telling you, I'm sitting there with these weights in my hand, and dude, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit fall on me like 10,000 pounds of bricks. And he was like, I said, tell him about me. And I was like, okay, Lord. 
okay, okay, just let me out from under this. And God was like, cool. So then I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to do this? Because I have no choice at this point, you understand? Like there is no choice, like there's no choice now. Like if I, if I try to walk out of there, I'm 100% certain I'm going to be swallowed by a whale. 100% certain at this point. Like there is, there is nothing else, right? There's nothing else. And, and so I'm like, okay, and this is like a kind of a rough looking dude. And, and, you know, I'm friendly, but just, you know, kind of a rough dude. And, I, and I'm like, okay. And so he's lifting. He's doing dumbbell bench press. I'll never forget it. And so I walk over. I'm like, man, you need to spot. He's lifting kind of heavy. And he was like, yeah. And so I spot the guy, and he does his reps. And I was like, good set, man. And I was like, what do you do for a living? You know, just strike up a conversation. Because I've got a trump card there that I can play, you know. And he's like, I'll work in, you know, so-and-so factory. And I was like, cool, man. And he said, what do you do? And I was like, ah, yes. I was like, I'm the youth pastor at Caveland Church. And he was like, oh. And he literally like turns on his heels and walks out the door. And I was like, God, what have you gotten me into? And like, I, mean, I don't know if you've been to the YMC in Glasgow, but there's like a row of dumbbells in front of the mirrors and the door's like right there. Like he went right out the door. And I was like, what just happened? And then... Like, he comes walking back in, just like this. Like, he's like, like right up in my face. And I was like, he's going to hit me. He gets right up to me, and he says, I went to church one time. And I was like, okay. He said, I was sitting in my house, and, and I woke up in the middle of the night. And he said, I just had this overwhelming desire that I needed to go to church. And he said, you know, I, I, so I waited till the next morning. I got a little church just right down the road from my house, a couple miles away. And he said, I waited till the next morning, and, and I, I got up, and I put my boots on. I went out and got my truck, and he said, I drove down to that church. He said, and nobody was there. Because I hadn't started yet. He said, so I got in my truck, and I drove back and decided I wasn't going to stay. And I was like, okay. He said, and then I just had to go back. He said, so I had to go back. He said, I just couldn't help myself. I, I had this need. I needed to go. And he said, so I got in my truck and I went back down there. And he said, and when, by the time I got back down there, people were already kind of going in. He said, and so I parked my truck and I got out of it and I went in there and I went into the church. He said, and I went in and I sat down. He said, I listened to the songs that they were singing. And he said, I, I listened to the man get up and read out of the Bible. And then I heard him preach the sermon that he was, that he was preaching. He said, and then the, the service was over, and I got up out of my seat, and I went back out, and I got in my truck, and I drove home. And he said, I want you to know that nobody in that church even looked in my direction. Nobody even treated me like I was a human being. Nobody shook my hand. Nobody asked my name. Nobody even acknowledged that I exist. And he said, I'll never set foot back in another church again. And I was like, man, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I said, I can promise you that that would never happen to you at our church. I said, I would love for you to come. And he was like, and I said, well, at least let me tell you about my Jesus. I said, because I just want you to know my story. I said, I need you to know this Jesus that reached down into darkness and sin and addiction and violence and lust and all this stuff. 
and came to me right where I was and, and broke those chains and healed my wounds and set me free and loved on me like nobody else in this world ever has. He broke every rule that the man-made church ever brought up when he came and brought me out of all that darkness and healed me and set me free. And he was like, seriously? And I was like, yeah, man. I said, look, I was strung out for 10 years of my life. I was like, I did things that, are, that I don't even like to talk about. I said, I was the most broken person that I have ever experienced, I've ever come to contact with. I'm, I was more broken than anybody that I know. And yet Jesus took my broken pieces and put them back together into something beautiful. And so for about the next hour, I got the opportunity to tell this man about Jesus Christ. For the next hour, he asked me so many super you know, in, intellectual questions about the Bible and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, man. And we just got to talk about the Lord. And I would love to tell you that we got on our knees and prayed a sinner's prayer right in front of the dumbbell rack. But we didn't do that. But what I could tell is that something inside him changed as we were talking. And we did get the opportunity to pray together, you know, before I left. And I know that something was different about him. I know that something was different about him. I know that God did something that day. And I praise God for that. Because a week to the day later, a week to the day, on Saturday, he was coming around a corner on his motorcycle and he hit a piece of concrete that was laying in the road that had fell off somebody's truck. And him and his girlfriend went through a barbed wire fence and it killed both of them instantly. A week to the day. And sometimes I think about that. And sometimes I wonder what my life would be like right now if I'd ignored the Holy Spirit that day. Sometimes I wonder if I would have been able to live with myself or not. If I had put something off that God was calling me to do. Because listen, it's later than you think it is. You're further along in your story than you think you are. Other people are further along in their story than you think they are, than they think they are. So man, if God puts something on your heart to say to somebody, you need to say it. If God puts something on your heart to do, you need to do it. If God has put on your heart a person you need to become, then you need to become that person, not later. Now. I went to his, I went to his funeral visitation. And I, and I walked up to the casket, and there was a big line, and I walked up to the casket, and his brother was there by the casket. And he was like, oh, you must be one of his friends from the gym. And I was like, I am. He said, well, he loved you guys. He, he, that was you know, his sanctuary, which was a crazy thing for him to say. That place was his sanctuary. And I was like, yeah. And I started to walk away. Because you know, that's what we do. When things get awkward, we start to walk away, don't we? I started to walk away and then I was like, hey, man, I need to tell you something. <laughs> and so right there in the middle of the funeral home with a big line backed up behind me, I told him the same story I just told you. And he wept. He wept. And he took me in his arms and he just kept weeping. And he said, thank you. 
He said, you don't know what that's done for my family. And then they, he took me in a separate room over there at the funeral home and he brought in all of his family and had me tell them the same thing. And they wept. But not out of sadness. They wept with hope. Because that's what they needed in that moment. Was hope. And Christ followers, that's what we need in our lives right now is hope. And disciples, that's what we need to be purveying out into the world is hope. And I see so much death and destruction and doom and gloom going out from the people of God all over the place. And we can't do that because that's not who we're called to be. And that's not what we're called to do. If we're the people of the book, if we're the people of the Spirit, then we know how this thing ends. And we should be proclaiming hope to all the world. Can you say amen? Because people are watching you to see how you're going to react to all the things that come your way. And if you react out of anything but faith and hope and love, then you're doing it wrong. Can somebody say amen? Because there's hope. And I don't care what it looks like on the news. And I don't care what it looks like in the government reports. And I don't care if this whole place burns to the dadgum ground. My hope is in Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? And I want to give you some hope today. Because I know this. That if I live, I live to serve Christ. And if I die, it's gain to me. Because see, I really believe the things that I preach up here. So I think today, the overwhelming truth that people tag onto is that this life is the only one, or at least the most important one. And that's not what the Bible teaches at all. I'm just pitching my tent here. My mansion's in the sky. Can somebody say amen? I'm just passing through. I'm just on a journey through this messed up, broken world. As a matter of fact, the worlds you see around you is the only hell that we will ever experience in the, in the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? And that's where my hope lies. Jesus Christ knew that His disciples were going to be upset, and so He said this to them. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in Me, for I go to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't true, I wouldn't have said it. And you know how to go where I'm going. And then Thomas, old doubting Didymus, but I love this guy, he said, Lord, we don't know how to go where you're going. But he was just sitting up Jesus, man. Went, the, that pitch went right down the pipe, dude. Jesus said, brother, I am the way and the truth and the life. And if you want to get to the Father, you just go through.